welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of November 2013, entitled, Lest We Forget. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to take our reading this morning from verses 9 through 17. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in John chapter 15 and verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Father, we do thank you again this morning, Lord, for this time that we can have together to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you. We thank you now for the time to look into your word, and we pray, Lord, that over these next moments that we have together, Lord, we do pray that you would take and, Lord, that you would empower thy servant, that you would speak to hearts, Lord, that the very words would be spoken here this morning that you would have spoken. You know each individual. You know each heart. You know exactly what needs to be said. You know exactly how we need to respond. So we pray, Lord, that your perfect will would be accomplished in our midst. We'll give you the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. If you happen to have one of those red-lettered Bibles, you find lots and lots and lots of almost solid red on the couple of pages where we just took our, our reading from. Because this is recording where Jesus was speaking on his way to the garden, knowing that when he got there that he would be betrayed. He was with 11 of those 12 disciples because Judas was out at this time taking care of the betraying that he was going to do in the garden. Jesus knew that he was going to be arrested there. He knew exactly what would be facing him in the hours that followed. And of course, here in our passage, he is continuing to try to prepare his disciples for his soon departure from them. Chapter 13 and 14 have recorded the events for us that took place there during his celebration of the last Passover and his institution of the Lord's Supper for us to remember him by. 
Chapters 15 through 17 record his conversation after leaving the, the room and on their way to Gethsemane. Chapter 15, where we took our reading, it begins in the first nine verses here, focusing on the importance of the branches abiding in the vine, that only then can they be healthy and bring forth the fruit which they were meant to bring forth. The believer, of course, being the branch that abides in Christ himself, the vine, and if the believer is abiding in Jesus Christ, then the Bible teaches these verses that he will bring forth much fruit. But of course, he also tells us that anyone that is not in Christ will simply wither up. They'll be fit for nothing. They'll produce no fruit. They'll be cast away. After giving this very descriptive talk and illustration of the importance of them abiding in him. Note how he continues here in our reading, first of all, in, in verse 9. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Jesus is declaring his great love for these disciples, his followers. Matter of fact, he says that the love that he loves them with is just like the perfect love of God himself, God the Father, that love that he has for his son. And he directs them that he wants them to continue in that love, in his love. We find that as he's speaking here that there is absolutely no question of Christ's love for them, of, of that perfect love that he has for them. The love of Christ is an absolute certainty. Matter of fact, it couldn't be more certain. His love for them is a love that, as we just got through singing about it, will never cease. It's permanent. You see, the Father's love is for his son is the most perfect love that we could ever, because God is love. We find that they're being directed here, though, that that love is there, that God the Father and his perfect love and that love for his son and that Jesus Christ loves them in that same way. There's The love is there, but they need to continue in that love. And so, if he's directing them to continue, Brother Steve, there's got to be the possibility of not continuing in it, not because the love isn't there, not because of any uncertainty of the love that Christ has for them, but why would there be an uncertainty of being able to continue in that kind of love? And he goes on in verse 10, he says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If. If. You see, there is a condition to this continuing love. Here he uses that same word abide that he has used many times already in this chapter in speaking of abiding in him when teaching on the the vine and the branches, the love 
that he's speaking of here. The love itself is certain, but there is some possibility. Where is the question? The question is not whether the love is there. It's whether we are continuing in it. If we continue, if we abide in the love that's there for us, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. It's not the love that's in question. It's our obedience. It's our obedience to him. And it's by that obedience that we will either abide in his love or we'll be separated from the joys that that love can bring us. Sin. Disobedience to God's commands. You see, that's what separates us from experiencing the fullness and the joy of that love. We've got to understand God doesn't love us any less when we sin. God doesn't love us any less when we disobey. The love is there and the love is perfect and the love is ceaseless. But we put something in the way. We're the ones that separate ourselves from it. We find that Jesus, of course, being the sinless Son of God, <laughs> he was continually abiding in that love because he lived a sinless life. He never once broke God's commandments. It's another message, but the only time that he was ever separated from the Father was, again, what we sing about just a bit earlier, <laughs> when he hung on that cross. And he bore our sins for us. The love has never ceased to be there. Jesus has never ceased to abide in that love with his Father. But for us, there is an if. Because our sin, our disobedience, can keep us from abiding and continuing in that perfect love. He goes on to say in the next verse, in verse 11, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You see, this is hard for us to grasp a lot of times. We think that, well, you know, he's just always putting all these demands on my life. He's always expecting so much of me. He's just wanting, he's wanting you to be able he says here, I've said this so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You see, how important is it for us to continue in this love, to, to abide in this love that Christ is talking about? He said, I, I want you to continually abide there. I want you to always be there. Why? Because it's the only place that you can have my joy. There's going to be lots of things to try to take away your joy. But he said, when you're abiding in my love, he said, you're going to have my joy. And it's only when the joy of Christ is in us, not those superficial, artificial things that you know, most of us don't go around trying to make ourselves sad. We like to chip ourselves up and boost ourselves up and make ourselves smile and make ourselves feel happy. Jesus said, I want you to, to be full of joy. I want my joy to be in you. 
So you see, Jesus wants us to know a true, full joy that this world can't give you, that can't be found. His joy, he wants it to remain in us, to always be there. And that can be, you know, that sounds like an impossibility. I can't always be joyful. Well, you can always be joyful as long as you're abiding in the love of Jesus Christ. A perfect love that's always there, that's always present. We abide in his love, he says, by keeping his commandments, by obedience. Notice what he says next. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. He's gone through telling us all this about how he wants us to continually abide in his love that's, that's always there for us, that'll give us full joy, that'll allow his joy to be in us. And then he gives us a command to love one another in the same way that he loves us. That means loving each other with that agape love, unconditional love. There are no conditions made on it. You know, I, 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 I guess I've said it all my life, and I still keep telling myself, you know, God can't love you anymore, and God can't love you any less because he just loves you completely and, and perfectly, and there are no conditions on that love. It's unconditional. It's perfect. It's always forgiving. It's always selfless. It's that sacrificial love. It's that giving love that is God's love. What is the ultimate test? You see, it's easy to say, I love you. You're my friend. But the truth is, you know, if there's one place at all, one ultimate test, he says here, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. I mean, what can you do to prove to somebody that you love them? You can do all these nice things. You can buy all these nice presents. You can do all those things. Ultimately, he's saying the kind of love that I want you to love one another with, that there is no sacrifice that's too much. <laughs> Not if you're friends. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You'll give up everything. There is absolutely nothing that you have, nothing that's of more value to you than your life. And yet, Jesus says this, the ultimate way. We can talk about it being unconditional and perfect and forgiving and selfless and sacrificial and giving and all these things. But you see, Christ proved that to us. The way that we're to love one another is that same kind of love, and that's what's necessary. This, it gets, it almost, that's what's necessary for you to abide in his love. He said, you're going to abide in my love, you keep my commandment. My commandment is that you love one another, and greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. 
So you see, when we lack in loving someone else in that way, we're losing out on the joy. You know that it may sound crazy, but you can't love somebody too much. You can't. We find that to be willing to lay down our life for another. And, of course, you know what's interesting here is this is not just some hypothetical case. Jesus is on his way to Gethsemane. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He knows exactly what's laying in front of him. He knows exactly what it's going to cost him to show his love for them and for each and every one of us here this morning. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. You see, Jesus knows he's about to lay down his life. He's telling them that they are his friends. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, he said. <laughs> you know, they don't fully understand everything that he's saying to them. He's getting ready to say, you're my friends. I'm getting ready to give my life for you. I'm getting ready to give my life so that you can live. You see, who are the friends of Jesus? The true believers. <laughs> the ones that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. The ones that have put their faith and trust in Him. That's the friends of Jesus. Others don't like to admit it, but we're either His friend or His enemy. I know there's other terms He uses. We're, you know, we're also His, his brother, and we're all these different terms, but here He's using this term, friend. Only a true believer is the friend of Jesus. But you know what? If you're a true believer, you're truly, truly his friend. You really are. And he would prove that to you. He has proved that to you. He says, here he just got through telling them back in chapter 14, verse 15, he said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. You know, sometimes we kind of get these things in our heads, but it's, you know, in actual fact, you know, if it really comes down to what he's saying here is that, uh, you know, you can't say that you're a friend of Jesus and say, but I don't really care what he says. <laughs> it don't work. It don't work. If we really know Jesus, if we really understand how much he loves us, you see, the thing is, it's always, it's like in any relationship. There are all kinds of things that can happen that can try to, to get in there and wedge in there to separate love, to divide, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the church, whether it be with your friends. You see, the devil, boy, he, he doesn't like this kind of love. I can promise you that. And he certainly don't want us practicing this kind of love. 
Jesus says in verse 15, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. He calls them his friends. And he hasn't, he hasn't kept anything back from them. <laughs> Everything the Father wanted him to give, he's given. The Father gave him all of that. And, of course, that's the possibility of your salvation today. Ye have not chosen me, he says, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. Now, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He's really tying all these things together that he's been telling them all the way back from when he first began talking to them there at the Last Supper. And all these things aren't like either ors you take and pick and choose. He's talking about what it really, truly means to abide in Christ, to truly, continually abide in Him, to be one with Him. Jesus chose you to be His friend. He's the one that ordained you, that set you apart from this world. Why? If we look back at all so that his work could continue on through each and every believer, giving us everything that we need to be fruitful, to be fruitful for him, the only fruit that's going to remain is that that comes through Jesus Christ. You and I can't save anybody. We can talk people into going to church or we can talk people into maybe reforming their lives and stopping to do this and starting to do that and all these different things, but only Jesus Christ can transform that human. That's the problem sometimes. We try so hard to save somebody to do the work when only Christ can do it. But he wants to do it through you having access to the Father for whatever you need. He says, these things I command you that ye love one another. How is the reality of our love for Christ really going to be seen? What is the result of the kind of relationship that he is talking about here, of being filled with this kind of love and joy. How will the continual abiding in Christ be evidenced in our lives that ye love one another? That ye love one another. You know, we, we get all these things. Well, you know, I can love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> I love them spiritually. No, you think that's the way that Jesus loves you? You see, we, we, we all need help with it because we do have sinful flesh. But I'm saying when we let things get in the way of that, if we're not loving our friends in the same way that Christ loved us, then that's going to hinder us from abiding in his love, from truly knowing that joy of being 
being able to know the joy of Christ, regardless of what's going on in your life and whether you understand it and all these things. We show that love in many ways, but none greater than here in verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is a special day of remembrance that's been set aside. We call this Remembrance Sunday. Why is that? Well, because we're prone to forget. <laughs> we need to be reminded of things sometimes. Lest we forget, let us be reminded of the things that Jesus is trying to tell us here. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I just want to remind you that as we remember, as we are reminded on this special day. I want to give you three things. First, we need to remember the fallen. We need to remember the fallen. Now, it's tough for me, and I say I'm not going to do it. I, I, I get emotional because as we sit here in our comfortable, warm building today, there are many out there in the trenches, on the battlefields, they're putting their lives on the line. I said earlier, and I make the statement again, because sometimes I think people get this idea, and of course we get things that happen like in the news this, this past week, and you, you, know, you, you get some Marine that's just you know putting bullets in somebody's chest and whatnot, and, and that gets the name, but folks... That's not what most of those guys are like out there. I knew a lot of soldiers. I didn't sign up to go in the military because I wanted to go off and bang, 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 shoot somebody and, and blow somebody up or drop a bomb on them. I signed up because I cared enough and I loved enough about my family and my home and my place and my freedom that I was willing to stand up for it. It was about protecting what was good. You see, truly, it's about love. We find that I can tell you, just to show you how, how loving we wonderful human beings are. In the last 100 years, one century, my grandmother lived that long. That's one lifetime of my grandmother. In the last hundred years, there's been over 150 wars on planet Earth. And it's estimated that that 150 wars has took something like 250 million lives. We call it Remembrance Sunday. We begin celebrating this after World War I when some 9 million plus men lost their lives. That was supposed to be, you know, up until World War II, it was just known as the Great War. <laughs> that was supposed to be the war to end all wars. 1914 to 1918, it was only 
1939, and really it started before that in some of the Asian countries, but from 1939 to 1945, there were so many lives lost that you'll have a tough time pinning down a number, but the numbers that you'll find will be somewhere between 50 to 85 million lives that were lost in the fighting. Lest we forget. Folks, we need to remember the fallen. Those that have fallen in battle, that you and I can live in our warm houses and drive our nice cars, that we can have the freedom to either walk through those doors or walk out those doors as we choose this morning. You know, I was tempted, and if I had time, <laughs> I was tempted to put you on the spot this morning and just ask you, you know, what freedoms, what freedoms are you grateful for today? Because you know the problem? We're, we're, we've got so many freedoms to do these things that we just, we just take them for granted. We stop appreciating them. We stop realizing what they cost. I've seen it many times, a little slogan that freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. Oh, we can get into all kind of political discussions on what wars ought to be fought and what ought not to be fought. As we said, you know, I realize that sometimes battles have to be fought and all the politics, and that's, that's, that's not my job, thank God. You want to win the war on terrorism? <laughs> win them to Christ. <laughs> win them to Christ. Teach them the kind of love that we're talking about here, the kind of love that we've seen, the kind of love that Christ has shown us that, that he loves us with, and he wants us to love each other that way, unconditionally, lest we forget. We need to remember the fallen in the battles of mankind that have been willing to lay down their lives so that their family and their friends could have a life, could have the freedoms that we enjoyed today. They paid that ultimate price. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We find that not only do we need to remember the fallen in the battles of mankind, but I'll be failing if I didn't remind you this morning that we need to remember the fallen in the battle for mankind. Oh, there's been millions that have fallen in the battles of mankind, of our making. But in our text, Jesus, Jesus clearly had the cross in view. You know, we can't begin to comprehend. I've, I've had people that have seen the movies. I've, I've had all kind of comments after people had watched the, uh, the Passion and all this. And, you know, the thing is, I don't think we can even begin to comprehend what Jesus went through those days but when he was speaking these words, these verses that we've looked at concerning love, he was on his way to Gethsemane. He was on his way to be betrayed and be nailed to that cross. He knew what lay there ahead of him. When he spoke these words, oh, I want you to understand this morning, <laughs> he wasn't speaking to just those 11 men that were walking with him. He was speaking to you. He makes that clear when he goes on, even when he begins to pray, not for them only, but for all them that would believe. 
You see, Jesus Christ has chosen you to be his friend. He loved you so much. He loved you so much that in order to be your friend, he was willing to give his life for you. He was willing to be nailed upon that cruel cross. Many. The names of too many forced to even begin to call have fought and laid down their lives in these battles of mankind. And you know, some of those battles have been won and some of them have been lost and some of them, they still argue over who won and who lost. But there was one fault and his name was Jesus. And he didn't lay down his life in the battle of mankind, but he laid it down in the battle for mankind. You see, that victory was resoundingly won. That enemy was defeated forever. In John chapter 10, verse 18, the Bible says, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. Jesus didn't lay down his life because he was defeated. Jesus laid down his life willingly. This commandment, he says, have I received of my Father. I just want to say this morning, lest we forget, lest we forget, let us remember the fallen. And let us remember the fallen that have fallen in all the battles of mankind that we've created. But let's remember the fallen, the one, that ultimate sacrifice that was paid for us. But you see, today, we not only need to remember the fallen, we need to remember the freedom. The freedom. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You see, they laid down their life for a friend. Friends, family, a country that they love, freedom from the tyranny of evil, You see, I would ask you again, what freedom are you grateful for today? Can you really be so naive as to think that it came at at no cost? I mean, just a few of those shots in the, the video that we saw earlier should be enough to remind us what many of these men went through, and women, by the way, that you can have your freedom today. Freedom through the sacrifice of our soldiers. You know, Remembrance Day is not about. That's why I guess I, I chose this text. I prayed and I saw it, and it's, it's such a special day, day for me that, you know, Lord, you know, sometimes we can get the idea that we're trying to glorify war in some way. But no, it's just the opposite. I chose this text because I want us to see that what we need to be willing to do, if we really are a friend, you see, what Jesus is saying here is, look, look, greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus just got through telling us that 
You know, he loves us with the same kind of love that God the Father loved him with, and he wants us to love each other the same way that he's getting ready to go and be nailed to that cross. We talk about having friendship. Do we love each other to that degree? We need to remember there have been those that have paid the ultimate price Well, you and I might be living in a very, very different world today. Freedom. Through the sacrifice of our soldiers, but freedom. Thank God through the sacrifice of our Savior. John 8, 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We, we like to think that we're free people, that we're free to make our own choices, to do our own things. As we said earlier, if you want to come right back to the very root of why we fought 150 wars in the last 100 years, why that we can't seem to have peace for very long at all, well, God says it's because of our lust, our selfishness. We find that when we think of Jesus Christ, he says, when the Son makes you free, <laughs> you're free indeed. What kind of freedom? Well, I'm just going to give you these quickly. First of all, freedom from Satan, <laughs> the boogeyman. We try to make light of him. This guy in a red suit and a big pointed tail sticking out, maybe a pitchfork or something. <laughs> uh, he's probably the most beautiful person you ever met in your life. <laughs> you know, the Bible says we entertain angels unawares a lot of times. <laughs> I got news for you. You might entertain a bad angel unawares as well. <laughs> His name was Lucifer. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him, that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We can talk about a lot of things, but there aren't many things that people are more afraid of than dying. You know, I, again, I don't know how to simplify it anymore. I'm, I'm not anxious to check out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can remember when I was a young man, and I, and I, I used to work in the streets where I had to go in, and I had to punch in and go in and work my hours, punch out when I come through and punch in and punch. Now it's all digitalized. But back in those days, you know, you had to punch in and punch out. Well, I'm not anxious to punch out of this world any sooner than I have to. But you know what? I'm not afraid. I'm, there's no fear of what's beyond. I guess the only dread that I have is leaving some of you behind. <laughs> but the truth is, is that Jesus, he got us that freedom through his sacrifice. We would be still in bondage, that death. Freedom from Satan, freedom from sin. Romans 6, 22 and 23, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Just a few chapters over in Galatians 5.13 and 14, he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Do you realize that if what we have looked at here in these few verses in John chapter 15, if those were put into practice, do you know what? There would be no more wars. There would be no more fighting. That selfishness would be gone. Because that love for one another would be so unconditional, so pure, so full, that, you know, you just couldn't make me not love you no matter what you did to me. People want to blame the fighting on him. He's trying to teach us how that we can avoid it all. The problem's not God. The problem's a lack of God. Lest we forget lest we forget on this special day. Let us remember the fallen and the ultimate sacrifice that they paid, and let us remember the freedom for which they died. And I give you this last one in closing. Let us remember the future. The future for which they died for in the past. You see, when someone lays down their life for a friend, as it says here, they're not doing it for their own future. <laughs> they're giving up their future. They're sacrificing their future. But they're doing it to give someone else a future, someone that they love that much. You see, yes, a future that's given to us here on earth the many that have given their lives for family and friends have, have done so for the future that it affords those family and friends today. Our future was preserved for us through the sacrifices of others that loved us enough to lay down their lives. The lives that we enjoy are made possible because we live in their future, they cared enough about our future to pay the ultimate sacrifice and give up their future. Had they not loved us enough to care about where you and I would be? Well, there's no doubt. I don't, I can't tell you. You know, I can't tell you. What, what would the world have been like if, if Hitler had won? What would the world have been like if many of these locos leaders that have started fights and battles. What would the world have been like with that kind of genocide? I don't know. But I don't think it would be the world that you and I would want. Future that they've given us here on this earth, but also the future that's given us in eternity. The many, the many that have sacrificed for our future here, but the one, 
the one that gave himself on Calvary, he also did it for your future and for my future, for our eternal future. He doesn't want us. He doesn't want us to be in the bondage of that sin, the bondage of that death. He wants us to be set free. Hebrews chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. I often wondered about some of the things in this passage. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. There's a bunch of people watching. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to this. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus, even Jesus, it says, for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy that was set before him? Well, we can go back and I can tell you part of it back in John chapter 14 when they first, after they left that room and he, and he told them those beautiful words, those promises, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, guess what? I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. The joy that was set before him, being able to set you free from the bondage of sin and Satan, being able to give you the freedom, being able to pay the price for your sin so that you could be free from that penalty, so that you could spend eternity in a better place. Because you see, sin is the problem. You look around. It began right back in the Garden of Eden. And we're a pretty sinful lot ever since, every one of us. But he wants you to be free, free from that. Remember the future, the future that many fallen were willing to sacrifice themselves that has given you whatever past, present, and future that you've got here on earth. I say again, they gave their future that you might have yours. And remember the future that Christ has given you for all of eternity. He endured the worst suffering of all time because of the future that he saw for you in eternity. You see, it's all about love. The problem is some, sometimes we find it not, it's not just hard to love some people. Like we talked about earlier, sometimes we find it hard to be loved. We find it hard to understand. I, okay, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to have it all fair. Hey, I try to, I can't even figure out why God loves me. You know? <laughs> I can't. 
I don't understand all that. I don't understand why he would love. I don't understand because, you see, everything that we know, every relationship that we've ever had with anybody, everything that we've ever seen in our lives has been touched by sin. I, 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 don't, I don't understand a perfect, unconditional, totally sacrificing love that, that no matter what I do, I can't make him love me any less or any more because he, he loves me perfectly and he loves you that way. And this Remembrance Sunday, that's why I want to talk to you about lest we forget lest we forget. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. <laughs> Your friends, his friends. You see, that's ultimately, yes, many have laid down their lives. Jesus laid down his life for you too. Today, will the day ever come that we'll be given that option? I don't know, but I'm saying this. I'm saying this. That's what true friendship is all about. True friendship knows no boundaries. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too much of a sacrifice when we love like he loves. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our closing hymn together. And I, I, I like the words of this, and I hope that you can sing them and and mean them this morning. And, you know, as we've been talking about this great love that he has loved us with and the way that he wants us to love, and I felt that, you know, what, what better way to close than the singing of our love for him? My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. We're going to stand and we're going to sing that together. And I trust and pray today on this day of remembrance that you'll remember, lest we forget. Remember the fallen. Remember the freedoms that you enjoy. And remember the future that's been gotten for you by someone else. Mm -hmm.